Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Crucial Conversations. I'm Peter. And I'm Kevin. Today, Kevin, we're going to talk about something we've talked a little bit about off and on. You know, maybe back when we kind of rebooted the podcast, we talked about this subject a little bit, but it is the nature of faith. Wow. And I think I'm actually, unless unless we say something like more catchy in this episode, I'm actually going to name this one, the nature of faith. I have no idea what kind of a picture I'm going to find to visually represent faith. Oh, wait, wait. I just thought of one. Abraham sacrificing Isaac. Yeah, that'd work. <laughs> so th- this has come up because of conversations you and I have frequently. I think Frequent. actually even one of the first, very first conversations we ever had theologically, theology-wise, about the Bible. Ecumenically. Or, or, or I can put it this way. The first time I got really, really, really mad at you. Yeah, the first where, of many times. <laughs> <laughs> where I went home and I'm like, I'm really mad at Kevin. I don't uh-huh. want to talk to him. I don't want to look at him. I don't want to think about him. But I can't stop thinking about him now. Ooh, and, and, and now it, I'm scared. <laughs> and, but it, it was on faith. And, and in particular, how my reason had been taking the place of faith. Yeah, so you you remember that conversation, I do. right? I do. <laughs> I'm interested. What's what's your side of that with watching me walk away? Did I look that mad or what? Well, it is never fun for any of us to be confronted with a false god. Yeah, and and that is that is one of the challenges of discussing the things of God with brothers and sisters in Christ. Is that often our conversations will expose errors that we've held our whole lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's never fun <laughs> no. to have to admit that I've wrongly conceived of this my entire life. Right. And this is, um, if you can get around it, it's actually the fun part of theology. <laughs> is... <laughs> I mean, this is my experience all the time. Or, or you can just say it, if I can get over myself. Right. Because that's if literally I, what I had to do. If I, I had get to get myself, over myself. It, yeah. And if I can get over myself, you open the scriptures and they change you. Yeah. Because you're not coming to them and telling them what to say. You're reading the word of God and it's changing you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have such deep held assumptions and... Um, thoughts built up that we think are faith that a Christian brother or sister comes along and says, Hey, what you're calling faith is actually not. It's something else. Or what you're saying is good theology isn't. Mm-hmm. And that hurts because yeah. we're prideful. <laughs> but like I said, I was very mad at you yeah, when I went home. You get mad and, <laughs> or you get sad or you get scared or whatever. But, but again, if the goal is Christ and, mm-hmm. and God's love for us in Christ Jesus then this is the goal of Christian conversation. Yeah. That we drive each other to Christ and that we don't come at this as superior or inferior. It, we're simply two brothers, brother and sister, whatever it is, who are sitting down with the word of God between us and saying, let's make sure that everything that I believe, everything I do, everything I say is in accordance with the will of God. Yeah. Let's let's make that our goal, right? Yeah, and and we can have fun with that. We can play <laughs> with it. Um, sometimes it makes us angry because we have to repent, right? Um, but the goal is always Christ, and I and I really, 
sincerely pray that that's the goal of anybody listening to these conversations is that it's not Peter and Kevin. Right. It's not crucial conversations. It is Christ. And how can we continue to, to talk about things in ways that the, anyone who hears thinks more deeply about Christ and puts their trust in Christ alone. Well, and the, the blessing of that, or I suppose it remains to be seen if it's a blessing in terms of crucial productions and that coming out of it. But I think crucial productions is an outgrowth of that conversation. But even more so, like you just said, our conversations with each other took a very different turn at that point. Right. Where I began to see, oh, you are trying to point me to Christ. And all you did was point out how in this area, I actually wasn't placing my trust in Jesus. I was placing it in myself, essentially, my own ability to reason. And how every conversation after that, I was better able to see, okay, where is this going? Where, what am I placing my trust in? And then the opposite, same right. thing with you, where exactly. I'm, having, I'm like, Kevin, you're, you're trusting exactly. this other wrong thing over here. Kevin, exactly. it's over here. We can exactly. actually do it with each other now. <laughs> That's exactly right. And so it becomes a conversation yeah. where we're each saying, hey, let's make sure it's about Christ. And, and when I get off the rails, you say, whoa, 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 back up. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you go there? That's not right. Well, that was weird. Yeah. And I go, okay, I got to re, I got to re-examine that because right. you just you just showed me where I went where I went wrong. Yeah. And and it okay. Let's <laughs> let's get it right. And I don't have a PhD. Nope. You do. I do. I don't have all the degrees you have. And yet because we're actually talking about faith in Christ, that is not a requirement. It no. is not a prerequisite for any of these conversations. Now sometimes that education can help. A lot of times that education can actually hurt. <laughs> sometimes it can. And and sometimes um Yeah. It sometimes it's it's like all things that God gives to us, we can misuse them. Yeah. Any good gifts yep. that God gives, including knowledge and learning, can be something that causes a stumbling block mm-hmm. for myself or, or for others. Yep. Um I am not I am not innocent of getting into useless theological debates just because it's fun, right? And and if it's just for my enjoyment, that's just right. as bad as any other selfish pursuit. Sure. So, yeah, we we continue to talk and learn and, and grow together and pray together and, and study the scriptures. And, and, and this is why in all of our crucial conversations we have, this is not your church. Right. You know, we're... Please, everyone who listens, both of you, make sure you're going to church. Make sure you're you're meeting with your pastor when you have theological questions. We're here to help you. We're here to guide you along the journey as we as we look at the scripture and, and meditate on the word of God day and night. We're here to maybe bring up some things you haven't thought it through before or different ways, mm-hmm. right? But always make sure your your foundation of your your faith is the routine of going to church on Sundays mm. with your family. Yeah. Word and sacrament ministry that you're under the care of a pastor. Yep. If, if you're, if you're able in any way, shape or form schedule individual confession, and absolution with your pastor when you can, mm-hmm. especially when you're feeling burdened by something. Yeah. That's, that's the stuff, right? You're doing <laughs> daily devotions with your family. You're, you're in the word every day. You're under the care of a pastor. That's, that's the life. 
I, ideally, what where we fit into that with crucial productions and crucial conversations is that when you listen to us, when you go to church on Sunday, you're better able to understand what your pastor is talking about. You're better able to listen to the hymns and the words that you're singing, what you're confessing in the Apostles' Creed, or once a year, the Athanasian Creed, right. since we talked about that. <laughs> but the whole point is that what, what we're doing here helps you better understand that. Mm-hmm. It does not replace that. Exactly. And, and we are not the experts over and above that. But when you're, when you're worshiping with your family, when you're at home studying with your family, we're able to help you, mm-hmm. help, help you along in that. So we, this, this topic today, actually, we decided on it this morning. Sometimes we think about these for a while and, and decide on Sometimes it's, okay, Kevin, we're in front of the microphones. What are we going to do? Today, we decided earlier in yeah. the day. So we've had like a couple hours to, to think about how to approach this. But like I said, this is something we've been talking about for a long time. Right. This past Sunday, the text, if you are going to a, a church that uses a three-year lectionary, and I intentionally did not say LCMS church, because hmm. I know you can actually attend an Episcopal church, a Roman Catholic church, um, some Methodist churches, and their Anglican churches, they use the same lectionary we do, or we use the Basically. same lectionary they do. In many ways, there's a lot of similarities. And so you might have actually been reading... Hebrews 11, or the first part of Hebrews 11, in church this Sunday. You will have heard it read. Your pastor might have preached on it. It might have been part of his sermon, part of the homily, if that's your tradition, if that's what they have. And so we're walking down the hallway, and Kevin said, what'd your pastor preach on today, or yesterday? Mm-hmm. I was like, well, there was flowers and ravens, and oh yeah, Hebrews. <laughs> right, that's right. So no, that's Luke. Well, the Luke, the Luke was the flowers and the ravens, right. and then there was the Hebrews. The so Hebrews, right. it was talking about trust and talking about not being anxious. But then the Hebrews passage ties into, well, why, how do we trust? How do we not be anxious? And that has that's part of that faith. So given that we've talked a lot about faith, that it's been a pretty critical turning point even in our own discussions with each other, um, we wanted to kind of dig a little bit deeper in that today. So... I'm going to start reading Hebrews 11. We may end up reading all of it throughout this podcast, but I'm going to at least read the first 10 verses or so because we get a good definition and some great examples. So here we go. I'm reading from the ESV. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of the conviction of things not seen. For it is by the people of old... Sorry, I'm having a hard time reading today. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, 
and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable, innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. I'm going to pause there. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. And, and okay, so here's the problem, Kevin. Even as I read this, I immediately want to understand this based on my reason. Yeah. Give me the... I, I read this about faith and say, Abel believed by faith was commended by faith. And then I say, oh, but here's the reason, because he had a good gift. Or yeah. you know, it, I, I, my, my brain immediately goes to the, the reasonable explanation for why these things are the way they are in the midst of a thing that says, no, this is Chapter what faith, faith is. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think the other, the other fun thing about this chapter is that it, it isn't... Oh boy, we're getting in trouble for this one. If you read Genesis, you would not write this chapter from it. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, you read the story of Abraham, you're like, no. He didn't trust and therefore do these things. He did all kinds of weird, bad stuff. Yeah. But the author of the Hebrews helps us see what's actually going on. That the spirit wrought faith is actually what's driving all these things that these righteous people are living by faith. Even when their actions aren't always consistent with that faith, it is the faith that is given to them by which they live. Mm -hmm. And this is what Paul reiterates in Romans 1. This is a quotation from Habakkuk 2.4, right? The righteous will live by faith. And what Hebrews 11 helps us see is that this is the story of faith. These people didn't reason their way through life. They believed their way through life. Why? Because this is the faith that God gives. And and I think one of the most important things is in the verse that says, by faith we understand. Yes. And this is a big issue even in the church this, fathers. That, that's actually possibly the biggest clause or statement right. in that chapter for us to grasp. Exactly. And, and for us to to continue to go back to and wonder which is driving which. Yeah. Do I have to prove it to be reasonable so that I can believe it? Or do I allow my reason to be driven by faith? Mm -hmm. And that verse itself says, by faith in verse 3, so Hebrews 11.3, if you're following along at home, if you're driving, don't follow along. Just listen. <laughs> yeah. um, Hebrews 11.3, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen is not made out of the things that are visible. That's a mouthful. Yeah. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Um. 
where do you start, right? <laughs> this this is where the rubber meets the road for so many Christians is that they are confronted immediately in the scriptures with a story they can't reconcile. The Bible demands that God created the world in six days. And the means by which he created the world is his voice. Mm-hmm. And God said. That is so unreasonable. Our entire Western civilization is built on that not being reasonable, but instead science being able to tell us how the things of this world actually came to be and how they work. And and this, when I have discussions about organizations like Answers in Genesis or Creation.com or the Institute for Creation Research, all, all of which are doing good things. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. plan on taking my kids to the ARC experience at some point, and it's going to be fun and awesome. But the, that's how many kids you have? Six. So they can go in two by. <laughs> <laughs> Thank but you but I have four girls and two boys. I know, so the, the numbers are going to be off. It's not going to work. <laughs> um, but but so at, I, I want to say that so that people understand I'm not just like slamming no. them and saying they're awful. I, right. I, I use their resources yeah. and I plan on using them and I into the future. But one of the things that bothers me about organizations like that is they kind of flip these things around where they say we need to use science to prove that God's word is true. And see, here are these things we've discovered. And if you do science from the right perspective, it actually supports the Bible and see the Bible is true. That's a that's that's perhaps one of the, at, le- at least in this moment, one of the best examples I can think of where this gets flipped around, mm-hmm. where the justification for Scripture being true isn't faith. Right. It's it's science, and which is by definition my own reason and what I am able to see. Right. What I am able to comprehend on my own, completely apart from God, throughout without the work of the Holy Spirit in any way, shape, or form, and then say, therefore, the Bible is true when it says six days, or when it right. says whatever, anything that it's that it says. Um, another popular one is Jesus rising from the dead and using right. the historical evidence to say, see, history says it's true. Therefore. Right. It is therefore actually it's true. true. And therefore you can trust the scriptures. And there yeah, so it's it is so quick and easy mm-hmm. to just flip those things around in our culture today. Right. Or because we're humans. Yeah. Let's, let's put it that way. <laughs> and there's a lot of there are a lot of people who struggle with this as Christians and we're not trying to put them down or mm-hmm. or to belittle the struggle that there is between not wanting to be unreasonable, right, and yet be faithful. Well, we started so, this episode with me admitting my struggle yes, with exactly. it. Yes, exactly. So, so and we we're all, not immune. We all struggle with it. We all struggle with it. Yeah. It'd be so much easier if all this just made sense and we could explain it away. The only difference now is I don't get as mad at you when you right. point it out not to me. Right, quite. It's like, oh, yep, I did it again. Yeah, I've, I've kind of gotten used to and it. And we now. all do it every yeah. time. Um, but it's always a struggle to want to make our faith more palatable than it seems mm-hmm. so are you saying that in order to be a christian i have to believe that god created the world and we go well you don't have to give up reason <laughs> right we're not asking you to abandon reason to yeah. believe in and it's like well um i am 
I, I actually am asking you to abandon all reason to believe in Jesus. Yeah, that, that's actually where it starts. That's part of what it means to repent and to put all of our trust in Jesus. Yeah. And, and well, we need to address fundamentalism as well because people think it's fundamentalist to say what I'm about to say, but it's not. It's actually the opposite. <laughs> it was that because Jesus said it, I believe it. I don't have to understand it first or have to say that he's correct by reason and therefore I believe it. Yeah, I don't have to go find historical or scientific evidence to back up what Jesus said. At all. To then say, yeah, this is true. See, I found it over here. Right. So this this also affects the way we read scripture and how we look at the scriptures is that faith is not in the scriptures. Faith is not in my understanding of the scriptures. Faith is actually directed toward God, and specifically what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. So that faith is not the result of reason or the result of being able to comprehend things. Faith is what gives us the understanding of how God reveals himself in Christ and what that means for the way our world is. And as we're talking about in Hebrews here, I'm just going to use, I'm going to repeat several times a phrase that is repeated in Hebrews as to what the object of this faith is. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, heirs with him of the same promise. Um, Oh, there was a whole bunch more. Received the things promised, not having received the things promised, uh, but you just look through and promise, 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 promised that. Why Why do they trust in God? His word and what he promised. Right. That's the object. And we understand. Well, we haven't even gotten down here yet, but hold on. Right here. By faith, where we're going down to Moses. It's here. I know it's here. <laughs> I read it. Okay, here it is. 25. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Oh, wait, I just went right past it. Oh, come on. In 25. No, it's, it's the Moses part. Moses, Christ. Where'd it go? Moses and Christ. There it is. Okay. He, 26. 26, yeah. I, was, I can't see the numbers. Yeah. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. This is, I would say, at the end of Hebrews, this is the critical verse, because before this, it's promised, promised the seed, the promised land, the promised son. And now here's Moses, where the author of Hebrews is saying, Moses considered the reproach of Christ yeah. greater. Hold yeah. on. Yeah. Moses is like thousands of years before Christ, and yet the author of the Hebrews is saying, no, no, his faith, his trust was in Christ. Yeah. That's what this promise is, right. him right. and what he's done. Um, and, then it, and then it goes on from there. So the other stuff I read was good, but mm-hmm. that was like, yeah, okay, th- there it is. What is this promise? Moses believed in Jesus. <laughs> and and that's why you know one of the one of the most elementary things we do is that chapter 11 is followed by chapter 12. 12. So don't don't stop. Mm-hmm. You know keep reading. <laughs> so 12:1 says therefore, which means 
everything you just read, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, as in the saints of the Old Testament. All those people of faith right, that, we that just were just mentioned. mentioned. Yep. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely, and let us run endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. The founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning of shame, and a seat at the right hand of the throne of God. So what you just said is is the whole point, is that the author of the Hebrews is saying, by faith, Jesus, right? By faith, that the word of God, the promises of God that are fulfilled in Christ is what drove these people's lives. It is the way they lived. Mm-hmm. And you look at, you read the Old Testament and everybody, some people do it to make money, but they talk about the stories of the Old Testament as being kind of these crazy stories that kind of almost don't make sense in a holy book, right? Right. I mean, Abraham, the hero of faith, you don't really want to tell his story explicitly because <laughs> there's a bunch of stuff in there you can't tell. David. We actually tell right? some of that in the Bible in yeah, 5, and which we yeah. just recorded and we a do. couple weeks ago. Um, but the point is these, these lives are not um, shiny and pretty. Yeah. They are messy and sinful and they make mistakes. And yet these are people who live by faith and we, they don't live by reason and therefore believe they, they live by faith and learn to see the world accordingly. And so what we're getting at is going back to the whole idea of creation as kind of a, a test case in this is when God calls us to believe that he created the world in six 24 hour days, like he reveals in Genesis one, he's not saying if you can make logical sense of it, agree to this. <laughs> he's saying, believe this yeah, and learn to see the world accordingly. Yeah. And, and this is, and this is where the rubber meets the road is that God says, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Dear friends, if God so loved us, let us love one another. Mm -hmm. See how it works? Mm -hmm. When you believe that what God has done in Christ is the definition of love, then you learn how to love. Mm -hmm. And that's the point is we're not saying... Here's here's something God has done. How would you logically live that, or how would you logically interpret it? No, we're saying put all your faith in what God has done, and learn to live accordingly, learn to understand accordingly, yeah. learn to think accordingly, learn to speak accordingly, learn to live accordingly, learn to love accordingly, learn to parent accordingly. It, I mean, what you're saying is our entire life is oriented around Christ, Christ, and His Word, and hearing it and receiving it and living it right and submitting even our reason mm-hmm. to that see what so what happens that, that's is a very different way of living life than it really I think is what most of us do yeah us, us included as and we that's struggle to do and this. that's because we are the inheritors of a philosophical movement that said god and his word are no longer the arbiters of truth that if we want to look at the wor- the way the world w- works, the scriptures don't tell us the truth. We can look at it and observe it for ourselves, and the scientific method will get us to truth. Yeah. And we said, 
well, that makes sense. I can see the things going on in my world so well, I can observe them and I can understand them. I don't know if we first said that makes sense. I think maybe the first move was, well, God's a reasonable God and a God of order. Right. So we can make so, it all fit. Great. Yeah, I, can so run, all I can run with that. And so what happened is as, as this progressed, men started saying, well, an atheist can observe the world just as well as a Christian and come to logical conclusions about how things work and... And, um, you know, even a recent person said that he's not sure how Christians can build bridges because we believe in God, which is just a really weird statement. <laughs> yes. But but it was that whole notion that... You made a pop culture reference, I Kevin. I did, isn't that weird? That was a pop culture <laughs> reference, <laughs> for the record. But it was about Jesus, so... Okay. I get, or well, about a discussion not, about Jesus. Okay. Um, yeah. so, so what happened is we went down this road to where um, the popular movement in science and philosophy and economics and education was that the scriptures aren't where we look to find absolute truth that instead truth is something that any human can get to through the scientific method it's out there and you can get there on your own it's out there and you can get there you don't need god yeah so we inherited this idea that human intellect can work hard enough and eventually find truth Mm-hmm. And this has actually shaped our entire society so that we educate our children. I was going to say our entire education system is built on this principle. It's built on this principle yeah. entirely. So that uh, the most important thing to teach our children is logic and reason and science and a method in which they can observe and experiment prove hypotheses or disprove hypotheses and, and continue to move forward. And the goal of all this is for the betterment of society. Mm. That the more we learn, the more we, we conquer things through our intellect, the better society will be. And the Christian, one, like I said, says, yes, and we can do this, we can live this way because God created this order to begin with. We're simply discovering what God right. put there for us to discover. So we say, well, our first article gifts are reason and our senses, so reason is good from God, and therefore this all makes sense, right? Right. And we affirm that God blesses the unbeliever with intellect and the ability to understand how a human body works so I can go to a non-Christian doctor and they can mend my broken arm or stitch up my laceration or mm-hmm. give me chemo for my cancer. And right. Right. We see that at work every day. Yeah. And we affirm that. Right. But the problem is, is that the insidious nature was that we were taught that truth can be achieved or discovered through human intellect. Yeah. And what that means is God is not only not needed, but in the end, really not even welcome in defining truth. Yeah, eventually, depending on where we start in the history of philosophy, there was a point at which it said, there is no God. We don't, we don't need him at all, and we are going to do everything from here on out with the understanding that he doesn't exist and he's not necessary. Well, and if he does exist, exist, he exists in his little kingdom over there, and so what you do in your religious life is great, and that's between you and your family and your God, and you can be religious, mm-hmm. but don't you dare bring that into the things that really matter, like society and how we live with each other and how the world works and how society is supposed to work. You know. And so we've become very nicely polite 
people that say your God belongs over there in your religious life. And, and that's great. And we'll affirm that having a healthy spiritual life is part of your threefold person of <laughs> your physical life and your spiritual life and your mental life. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's all well and good. But see, this is all scientifically proven. We can go to a study and prove that doctors say, yeah, people that pray seem to do better mm-hmm. because they have it's some on, kind of spiritual the component. News. They yeah. got interviewed. This is yeah. great. And so science will affirm that God is, is helpful. Wait, what? And and I know it sounds silly or it almost sounds like I'm a madman saying this, but but that really is saying that God is not welcome in the real pursuit of truth. I don't I don't think it's that you sound silly or that you sound like a madman. I think the the subtlety of this is such that I completely miss what you're actually saying. Because mm-hmm. I cause because I am so immersed in this worldview that says truth comes from science, truth comes from my own discovery of it, or somebody else's, and I go to the mm-hmm. smarter person with the PhD, and they'll yep. tell me what truth is. Right. We're, we're so immersed in that that we don't realize there's another option. And I think that's the hard thing for me. And when we had our initial conversation, it was actually about the resurrection of Jesus mm-hmm. and that as a historical event. Mm-hmm. And I think I've mentioned this on the podcast a long time ago, but what the thing that snapped in mm-hmm. me was realizing that I was trying to hang my faith on a physical event in the sense that it was historic and it happened and I could right. reasonably believe it on my own. Right. That... The, the, the event of the resurrection was believable because I could prove without God, mm-hmm. using history right. and science and, and resources and my reason putting all those together, that Jesus actually lived and he actually died mm-hmm. and there actually was an empty tomb. Right. Therefore, anything else I believe naturally can follow from that and be okay. Yep. None of that requires God. Faith. None of that requires the Holy Spirit. Right. It doesn't require faith, other than maybe there's some little gaps I'm doing, mm-hmm. but but I'm but it's my own faith. And that's that's what's and we're gonna run out of time before we get to <laughs> the It's okay, we're already in trouble from what we have. We already are. Yeah. But but I encourage everyone that's listening to, to really work through this scripturally. Um and, and and I always run to because John's the best book, <laughs> I run to to John 20, verse 28, where Thomas um, confronts the Lord Jesus. Unbeknownst to Thomas, Jesus heard his complaints, right? He said, Mm -hmm. I will not believe. This is crazy. I will not believe unless I can do these things. Yeah. I can stick my finger in and all that kind of stuff, right? Yep. And Jesus shows up, and he's not doubting Thomas. Let's just get rid of that. He's unbelieving Thomas. He will not. He says, I will not believe. Yeah. And so Jesus says, stop being an unbeliever. And what Thomas does is remarkable. He looks at a man before him, mm-hmm. and he says, my Lord and my God. Mm-hmm. See, that is faith teaching you to understand something. He, he looks at a man and says, you are Yahweh. Right, which is blasphemy mm-hmm. and, and inappropriate worship for a Jew. <laughs> so the point and, and of the Jesus gospel, says, blessed are you. Yep. So what John is telling us in the gospel is that 
as Jesus promised in the upper room, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. Mm. And the words that Thomas speaks, which are true words, my Lord and my God, he is correctly identifying Jesus, right? Yeah. As Yahweh. Those words are a result of the Holy Spirit giving you faith. Listen to Matthew 16. Who do people say I am? Peter goes, well, you're, you're the, the Christ, the Christ. Son of the living God. Yep. And Jesus goes, you're right, because the Father... Father revealed this revealed to you. that to you. Yeah, you didn't reason it out. The Father revealed it to you. Yeah, all the people that are reasoning it out were like, "Well, it kind of seems like you're John the Baptist risen from the dead, or you're one of the prophets, or you're Jeremiah." Yeah, who do you think I am? Right. It's all the other options all these other options that are reasonable because we have Old right. Testament examples. And so we can maybe it's one it. of them. Yeah, yeah. And and when Peter speaks the truth that in and out of Jesus, it is clear that that is not from Peter's reason. Yeah, it is from God. And this is what we're saying is not that reason is bad. It's that it, it simply is not the reason we believe, which is where we reason. Reason is not the starting point. Right. Maybe it's that's the result of faith. Yeah. Godly reason is the result of faith. And, and the offensive thing about that is that unbelievers can have reason. Yeah. And, and <laughs> this is where we are reminded once again of the grace of God. That, because of the death and resurrection of Christ, God has grace on all. And just as the rain falls on the righteous and the wicked, so also God gives gifts to all mm-hmm. for the use in order to benefit the neighbor. So that even an unbeliever is given reason to learn to serve neighbor. So that indeed, if I lop my arm off, I can go to a doctor, whether they're a believer or not, they might have the skill mm-hmm. to sew my arm back on. And whether they're a believer or not, God is working through that gift to bless my life and to bless those in my life. So what we see is that faith teaches us, just like the book of Hebrews, to say, by faith, mm-hmm. I see God's hand at work in that. By faith, I believe that God is the one who's running the show. By faith, I right. I and, approach and in, every and in situation. all of those, all each of those examples by faith, they had nothing before them that they could look at and say, "Oh yeah, this faith is reasonable." Right, it makes sense. And, and in fact, what was before them, that which they could apprehend by their reason and understanding, said the opposite. Mm-hmm. This this is why Sarah laughs. What am I ninety ninety right. years old and now I'll have a kid? Kid and Abraham's crazy? like I'm a hundred and Paul says he was close to you know drying right. up and dying. Dry up. <laughs> it's like, useless. He, he was shriveled up and useless. Like and everything um, in front of, in their in their face said no. This can't be true. Why? Which is why you go back to Matthew sixteen, which yeah. is such a you know yeah. John twenty Matthew sixteen. These are the passages you kind of want to run to. So Peter makes this great confession. We all know the story, and Peter's like, "I am the man," right? <laughs> and then immediately, and then Jesus says, "So here's the thing: because I'm the Christ, I'm going to go die on a cross." And Peter goes, "Nope, no, you're not. No." And Jesus immediately calls him Satan, and <laughs> says that the reason you're mistaken is because you have in mind the thoughts. Of men. Mm. You're looking at this from your reason. You're looking at this from a human point of view, from your point of view, Peter, that because I'm the Christ, I can't suffer and die. And he goes, you don't get it. 
because of the Christ, I will suffer and die. Hmm. And Peter goes, that doesn't make any sense. And Jesus says, I wasn't <laughs> aiming for sense, right? <laughs> I was I'm aiming to, for me. Right. I'm aiming to do the will of God. Yeah. And the will of God is that as the Christ, I come and I cr- am crucified. And on the third day, I will rise again. And it is faith that drives our reason. Yeah. It, it's hard to see that. Hopefully in this episode, we've we've given you some ways to look at that, especially through Hebrews. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's why this mm-hmm. this chapter in Hebrews is so helpful because it points us inexorably towards towards Christ and what he's done, that he's the source of that faith. He's the source of that promise. I don't know if source of that faith was the right phrase there. <laughs> it works. He's, he's the object. Yeah. He's, he's the, he's the object. And this comes from the Holy spirit. I, I, I almost want to leave us with like a kind of a cliffhanger. Cause I had a whole nother question that came out of this, but we're, we're out of time at this we are point. Out of time. My, okay. I'll just ask the question as a cliffhanger. Maybe we'll pick it up next time if people are interested in it, but in the context of answers in Genesis and what they're doing, it's almost like what they're doing is for the Christian. Yes. Not the non-Christian. And where it gets into trouble is when they start saying what we're doing is to help the non-Christian see that what we're, what we believe is reasonable when the reality is reason, the reason that believes is already a gift of the Holy Spirit. That's why I believe. Right. And now this work fits in that context of, for you Christians, look at this. I think the most positive way to look at the work that those places are doing, the whole realm of creation science, which some people freak or out about. Apologetics. Or Let's, apologetics. We need to put that in here. Right. Or even philosophy as Christians yeah. do philosophy, because I wanted to get into that, but we didn't have time. <laughs> and we should. Yeah. Um, I think the best way to look at that, at least in my mind, that's a weird thing to say in this episode. Really, it but is, isn't it? It is. The irony of this entire episode. It is. It's so weird. <laughs> but what Answers in Genesis does very well is they say, a reason that is informed by faith sees these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of starting at the idea that God is not involved and doing science that way, this is what it looks like when you let God be truth and drive your science. Mm. That's the very strength of those places. They yep. say, when God is the beginning point, it doesn't lead you to nothingness or to, to discontinuity. Yeah. It actually leads you to yep. good science. <laughs> right? Yeah. And for that, we say... Amen. Amen. Good stuff. That, is, that yep. is reason that is the result of belief. Not saying you have to understand first so you can believe it all. And that's where people twist it. And sometimes they themselves get a little... Mm-hmm. confused in this yeah but but generally these guys are pretty good guys who are saying because we're christians this is how we approach science yeah. and that into that we say good, good. yep that's good. good show me how to do science from a faith point of view how mm. do how do i approach intellect honestly from the point of yeah i believe in god and and in that way i think those places can be a blessing yeah now, like you said, the caution is when you go to an unbeliever and say, I can reason you into believing in God. No, you can't. <laughs> That's not the goal. That's not in the goal of reason. In that context, what we believe is foolishness. Yes. And ridiculous and unreasonable. Yep. When we stand before the world saying this is all about Christ and what he's done, that is unreasonable. Mm-hmm. It is foolishness. Mm-hmm. It is the height of idiocy mm-hmm. that we would believe this. And when they say that to us, they are right to do so. Yep. And we look at them 
And we proclaim Christ crucified. Because that is the crucial conversation. We'll talk to you guys next time. See ya.